Welcome to the 21st episode of Dialogica. I'm Stephanie Tankilisan. And I'm Suidian Lee. And this week we're going to talk about fake news and hoaxes. So, in 2016, we've seen how big of a role fake news has on influencing politics, not just in America, but also in Indonesia. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to talk about President Jokowi's recent actions in order to combat that and what we think the ramifications and potential damages could be. We're also going to talk about how the solution to tackling fake news is not a purely governmental or legal solution, how there might be private sector solutions and the responsibility of companies like Facebook or Google to participate. We're also going to talk about how the fake news is its own cottage industry and how any kind of government action is not enough to combat it. When we're talking about fake news and hoaxes, it's not just that one thing that your irrational uncle spreads around during your awkward family dinner conversations. It's a lot more than that and we're excited to dig into it for this first episode of 2017. Here's to it. I think 2016 has taught us that fake news is not a fake problem. No, and that a lot of people will believe these things, you know. I think we sometimes take it for granted the circles we're in and we think people it must be smarter when in fact there's a lot of regular people who fall prey to these kind of sensationalist headlines. The fact is like a lot of people see something that looks like it comes from a legitimate website and then they don't check or google whether or not, you know, this is a real news or a news portal or a news website or doesn't check you know, the truth or authenticity of a hoax. I think we kind of forget what it means to filter out information. We just take and take and take and then spread. People today don't consume news just from, you know, legitimate quote-quote news sources anymore. Yeah. I think both of us can say that we are victims of this ourselves. We get as much news from social media, from like my Facebook feed, as we do from newspapers and news magazines. Well, I don't think it's also just like an uneducated versus educated people thing like i think also liberals sometimes have the tendency of passing things around that may not be true yes i think usually when that happens it's a more plausible news story but at the same time it still happens right oh yeah the habit is still the same but yeah i think it is i think we've certainly 2017 we've reached a point where it's no longer about wow social media platform a different way to interact with people it is the most prevalent way to interact with people. And so how do we acknowledge that landscape and the pitfalls that comes with it? Right? This is certainly one of them, fake news and hoaxes. So in recent weeks, President Jokowi has come out publicly to address this idea, this problem of fake news and hoaxes mm-hmm. in response to not only the anti-Ahok controversy, which kind of started because of an edited piece of news, right? Mm-hmm. But now also there's a couple of controversies such as this uh, fake piece of information that says there's 10 million Chinese workers that are trying to yeah. um, take all the jobs from Indonesians when in fact there's only like 20,000. Yeah. Jokowi himself had to come out on Twitter to say, like, no, this is false. 
And so him and the Indonesian government has started to find legal ways and creating agencies to start dealing with this problem. I think taking one step back, so essentially the first part is that we have Kauhape, which is the criminal law code, right? Mm-hmm. And and our criminal law code, which has been around since like very early on, is actually a modified version of the Dutch criminal law code. So in that law code, um, you cannot, you know, slander or disseminate false information. Mm-hmm. Um, what Uuite does, or Undang-Undang Cyber Laws, which was signed in 2008, what that stated was these laws are applicable to social media platforms and any kind of digital platforms. So it doesn't matter where you put any kind of like false news or uh, fake news or any kind of like, you know, Facebook statuses, right? That counts as potential slander or fake news. Also, intent doesn't really matter. It's just whether or not, you know, you've actually disseminated false information. It kind of broadens the net, right? It's no longer just like, if I want to say something slanderous to Stephanie, in the past, just the act of speech is what can be brought up to court. Now, if I said something on like my Facebook status, about, you know, that can now be brought up to court as well. Before, it's much harder to prosecute someone based on what they say in person. Before, it more relates to like, you know, print, you know, publications, print publications, putting things in the news, and then any kind of like campaign or ad. So yeah. it was much harder. Or if you're like a campaign that badmouths a particular person, then that can be a thing. So before the change in laws, this kind of things fell into a gray area. Recently, it was amended again, um, October, November of last year. And in this amendment, it actually reduced the term from six years to four years, maximum imprisonment. They also changed that if you're accused of, you know, uh, wrongdoing, you cannot just be imprisoned. So what happened before is like, if you're just being trasanka or if you're being investigated, um, you're automatically put in prison. So the law has changed such that now if you're under investigation but you're not actually tried guilty, you, you don't face any jail time anymore. I think they put that, I think because too many people... Ended up in jail. Ended up in jail. <laughs> and like, it doesn't matter if you didn't disseminate this information. If it ends up in whatever digital space, then it's... You can still be in trouble. I think my view is, although I applaud President Jokowi for, you know, taking into account this is a serious problem, it's just that this kind of very broad laws falls very potentially into, like, abuse of power. It seems like a slippery slope, you know, and who I never thought I'd be a libertarian. But in this circumstance, this idea that the government should step in on every single digital dispute, I think it might be an overzealous kind of government involvement i think we have we're not so sure we can trust the government to regulate the internet in indonesia one because we've already seen how disastrous internet sehat or healthy internet is in indonesia that's the indonesian program to crack down on pornography supposedly in indonesia but what ended up happening is they blocked vimeo they blocked reddit they blocked vimeo um a lot of like also sex education websites yeah it just gets covered up and it's silly it's always a running joke among people where it's like wow healthy internet sure yeah it's just like so 
um, we're not very optimistic about the fate of the cyber police that Jokowi is going to set up. So for the cyber police in particular, what they're trying to do is, so one is of course civilians or just anybody can you know say that they dirugikan or feel they've been slandered. But the fake news is more to combat any organization that claims to be a news site. So they say that they're not going to close down blogs, they're not going to close down any kind of like personal sites or they're not going to go down after Facebook uh, or like as in Facebook individuals, they're more going to go for, you know, accounts that purports itself as news. So they want um, any kind of new site to abide by Dewan Pers rules. So basically the press council's rules, which is any kind of online news has to have Dewan Redaksi or the editorial board names on the website and on a physical location where they are. Um, and it has to be properly registered within Indonesian government. Yeah, I understand the logic where this is coming from, you know, personal accountability and all that. But at the same time, let's say, yes, we can trust President Joko and the current administration to not misuse this information. But what's to say if we have a different kind of, you know, government leader and policeman in play, and they're just going to misuse this for their own personal gains or, you know, crack down on websites that criticize them. What's to say that they're not just going to say that, you know, Tempo, you're not being legitimate right here. You're spreading fake news. And then just using this as a pretext to close something they don't agree with. And, you know, this country also has a history of investigative journalism. Being closed down? Being closed down, or at least being diluted, right? Like, Stephanie and I have had private conversations about this, about how, like, we feel that today's Tempo is very different from, like, the yesteryears of Tempo, where they were much more, I don't know, vigilant with their investigative journalism now it's a little bit more diluted and is that a can that also be a path where like even investigative journalism which is trying to uncover the truth even if it's potentially problematic for certain people like are they going to be prevented from doing their job i think the thing is with them they fall under dewan Paris, and so now the system is if you're an official part of the press you cannot be prosecuted you're protected by the press council so any kind of charges has to go through the press council first so the police can't just catch a journalist. They have to go claim to the council that this is false and the press council will deal with that person. Okay, that makes me feel a little bit better because then at least the official channels for the press is still relatively protected. What I'm also more concerned about is like the civilian implications, right? So that poses a lot of problems for activists, right? Like we, you know, we know activists who work sometimes solo. You know, they report on things on their own. And they don't have like the protection of a editorial board or registration with the Indian government, but they're still doing meaningful work. But if somebody feels like they got offended, they can easily be brought to court. Yeah. I feel like with these kind of laws, it always comes down to the whims of the current administration. I feel very skeptical about the government being the ultimate solution. And I also feel skeptical about whether or not criminal punishment will be effective. I think they have to accept that there are limitations to governmental actions on this kind of issues. If you catch one, like, this is literally the, I think, the real-life example of a hydro, right? Like, you catch yeah. one and you cut off one head. Yeah. A million more will spring up because it's social media. For you guys listening, like... Maybe you're wondering, like, why do people fall for fake news? Because you can't take it for, we can no longer take it for granted that people aren't gonna fall for it, because people do. I think 
This isn't a part of like confirmation bias. There's just this idea that once a piece of news or a piece of information confirms what you're already thinking, you're more likely to believe it, even if it's completely irrational or whatever. If you already believe in that fact, and now there's this thing that supports it, you'll take it for what it is, you know, and you'll spread it as fact. The first impulse is to share. Something that already accords with your belief, like you want to share with other people, how there's this one new thing that further confirms what you believe. So you're not gonna be as fastidious in checking whether or not something is true if that already falls within your worldview. Yeah, I think part of this is you know this whole conversation about eco chambers and how you know we get our news a lot of times from our news feeds, which means that we are usually friends with kind of very similar people. Um, or people with the same values or socioeconomic status or views as you. So you're just kind of like, and Facebook algorithms make it such that you, people who you agree with and whose posts you like tend to show up more in your newsfeed. So mm-hmm. this kind of just sets off this like chain reaction where um, it furthers your confirmation bias, right? So it just creates this division where we can't have the discussion or dialogue that's needed to actually have you know, a healthy conversation with each other. Not only do we psychologically have confirmation bias, but now there's literally an entire ecosystem externally of us that's supporting that confirmation bias. And that's dangerous. Like, you know, we will end up distrusting every single thing that our opponents are saying, even when they're true, just because they are our opponents. It becomes an ideological battle rather than a search for truth. There's this other element, this sociological element called the conjunction fallacy, which I'm interested in, which is this idea that if the news, the fake news that's being spread is more complicated rather than just a simple, like, you know, uh, Hillary started Benghazi. Like, if Hillary started Benghazi because of X, Y, and Z, that makes it more likely that people will believe it because it's simply just because it's more complicated. So they like conspiracy theories. They like conspiracy. They like to think that because it has many layers that it's more sophisticated and therefore it's probably true. That's really fascinating for me because I've certainly, I felt like I found for that hurdle as well, the conjunction fallacy. Like, you know, I accept that something is much more likely to be true just because it has so many elements. Like, who can make up all these elements? Turns out a lot of people can make up shit. Yeah, dude. You correct me if I'm wrong, but I think part of it is that people think if enough people spread this news, that in itself makes it fact. So basically, there's this this quote by Joseph Goebbels, aka... The propaganda minister of the Nazis. He essentially said, if you repeat a lie often enough, it becomes the truth. I think that's the problem of the whole genre of fake news, right? That's exactly creating this illusion of respectability to go along with the lies that you want to believe. And once you've hit critical mass where it's like enough people have agreed to it, it's a tipping point. Yeah. It becomes fact. Enough people believe it, it becomes something resembling truth. Lends itself to a sheen of truth. So I guess like another part of this conversation is I think the government also needs to recognize that this is its own industry with its own financial incentives. Everybody knows that a lot of fake news sites make money out of the ads. You know, every time you click through into a fake news site, that's however many rupiah that they get. And when you've got like 
30, 40, 50 million people just clicking on this thing that you saw on Facebook that you didn't even bother to read the headline. That immediately generates a lot of income for people and that's financial incentive right there. There's already reports on Tempo that says like people can get one M rupiah in what? like a month. For real? Yeah, because for fake news sites? For fake news sites because like 50, 60 people click on it and like each ad doesn't even have to generate that much but when you've got that many people who are easily duped into just clicking because it's all about the clicks uh, in our current ecosystem. You click through the site and you see it Yeah. So there's definitely financial incentive and it's crazy and you know we don't talk about it because we're like oh this can't be that profitable. So what should we do, Stephanie? Give up. <laughs> JK. Starting off 2017 very well. <laughs> I think first is like acceptance, you know, the fact that this is going to be a problem forevermore. This is not a function of like this is something we can turn back the hoax on so there's this movement that Jokowi and other people saying it's like turn back the hoax and to me like I applaud the effort and the sentiment but I just don't believe in turning back time this is something that is a problem that's gonna stick with us from here on out so you think we as a society have gone past that threshold like we cannot yeah. go back technology and information has made anyone able to create a new site the hydra thing right if you close one down there's another one that can pop up like it's very easy to just create new domain names and just transfer everything there so i don't think that you can block anything or permanently solve this problem what you have to do is you know one create an awareness enough that this is gonna be this is one a very serious problem and it's not one that can be solved via blocking i think uh if anything you need to like start educating people on what is a hoax you know what's an element of a hoax what can help you recognize whether or not something is a hoax and then you know teaching people that a part of their being an individual who has common sense is to google things and make sure that this is coming from a legitimate source yeah i think there's so many different private sector type thinking and action that has to be done not just a government action i think uh for example Facebook has a very huge role to play in this in the future because the reason that fake news sites can grow is they are on social media platforms like Twitter, like Facebook. Like These fake news sites popularize themselves through people sharing on their walls and then this getting shared and, you know, repeat. It's the cycle. So Facebook has to, like, legitimately do some soldier searching and know that they are you know, have a role to play. So it seems like what you're telling me, though, is that Facebook needs to fundamentally change its identity from just being a social media platform to something akin to a newspaper or a journalistic it's site. It's not a journalistic site, per se, but they can't just say that they're just a platform. If mm-hmm. like This is not a time anymore when it's just like people sharing videos of cats or their babies. Like This is something that has real-world implications. And so they have an obligation and duty to do something about it. It's a good point. It's now easy for anybody to set up a fake news site. If we let everybody who has a Wi-Fi network and a mobile phone to create fake news sites, it will drown out the credible sources. Yeah, I think there has to be some way where Google and Facebook and people need to have like a Twitter verified type style. Like if you are a legitimate news site, you have your credible, then you earn like a verified from Facebook or whatever. And then if you are seriously purporting fake news site, then you can be like, oh, give them a red check mark. Or at least flag it as saying this is potentially a fake news site. 
But of course, I think a lot of people who work in the fake news side industry are going to be like, is this infringing on our freedom of speech? What if we're making money out of this? You can still say it, but... We want to let people who are encountering it know. Yeah, that it's potentially not. So that's where I am on my free speech thing. Like, I don't think that people should necessarily shut down fake news sites or like, you know, tell people to not say what they want. It's more about creating systems of accountability and like check and balances within the new ecosystem. Like, I think a lot more thought should be put into how we can make social media platforms and other platforms become more accountable. Do you think it's an inevitable result of a growing democracy as people become more vocal? I don't think it's an inevitable result of a democracy. I think it's an inevitable result of technology. And um, the fact that technology is so accessible and the fact that people will want to purport like some kind of authority on other people. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it's a function of democracy as it is a function of technology and, and a function of people wanting to be heard and like to hear things that they want to hear. The public needs to be aware and be accountable to other people, right? So if you as an individual see fake news being shared by quote quote friend of yours, just be like, yo, this is fake news. Please Google this. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to us this week. Uh, we hope you kind of took away something from it. As always, um, music credits to Jazzart, Ryan Little, and Broke for Free. And if you haven't followed us on YouTube, um, our latest channel, uh, you should definitely follow us. We're also still going to be on SoundCloud, but we want to highlight YouTube a bit more. And also, it's a lot easier, I guess, to listen on YouTube than, say, like open up SoundCloud or, you know, go into iTunes and download the podcast. So we're trying to make it easier for you guys to, To uh, to enjoy the episodes. Yeah. And once again, we always, always really want feedback. So email us at dialogicapodcast at gmail.com or send us a Facebook message or comment on YouTube. And as always, uh, we'll have resources and links at our website, dialogica.id. And thanks so much for listening. Bye.